Okay, true confessions. How many of you during this pandemic have gotten to a place where you just want to kick something? Don't get spiritual on me now. Okay, a few, a few, few hands. You know, things just aren't going. You know, the government makes the wrong decision. The neighbors make the wrong decision. You make the wrong decision. And you just, there's, there's been no way to really take out your frustrations in a, in a peaceful, right way. We know how to do it in the wrong way. Can I get an amen? Well, that's why we're doing this kickball game. We want to give you a spiritual, safe way to take out your frustrations. So if you'll just come and kick that ball, uh, we're not even pretending you're going to win or not pull a hamstring. But what we are saying is we're going to have fun. Amen? So I encourage you to be a part of that. <laughs> the, the last several weeks we've been in this series that has, uh, quite honestly, if, if nobody's been ministered to, I have. God's been really stirring in my spirit in multiple ways. But I just want us to look at this and, and once again go over our mission statement here at the church. And if it's up there, I just want to just read it together. Most of you probably have it memorized. But <laughs> we exist so that every generation, just read it with me. Grace River exists so that every generation, read it with me louder than that. Ready? Grace River exists so that every generation can experience the transforming power of God in every area of their life. Every area of your life. Transformation through God, the power of the Holy Spirit. And here's the challenge. We say that, but I think down deep inside we, we don't rely on that. We don't really believe that. We, we hope there's transformation we hope there can be change. And there's been these, these subjects that we've been dealing with that have really um, impacted me personally. But it's a, aspects of transformation that I believe we will see happen in people's lives. And let's just put those up on the screen, Michael. I want us to look at those. We know that we're saved, and when you get saved, we all have to be saved. But that's not where life ends. We don't just get saved and wait for Jesus to come and take us home. But there, there's healing. There's, there's aspects of our life that need to be healed. There's aspects of our life that need to be set free. Believe me, I'm not trying to dig into your past, but I'll guarantee you every one of us have something in our life that we're still wrestling with from 10 years ago, 2 years ago, 30 years ago. And, and it's, not that, it's not that you have to suffer with it. It's just that God, God will teach you through it and set you free. When you know the truth, you can be made free. Amen? So we talked about that. Today we're going to talk about what it is to be a disciple, what it is to be equipped, what it is and the other things that were up there a minute ago, what it is to be equipped, what it is to be empowered, what it is to serve. <laughs> so I want to talk about discipleship today. And discipleship is a tricky subject. Because, again, most people get saved. And in a lot of cases, and just please hear my heart, a lot of cases, discipleship is a class they attend. And as soon as the class is over, I, I did my three weeks in my discipleship class, and then they just go on living their life. That is not discipleship. That's a class. Let, let me tell you uh, what Bill Hull says. The heart of being a disciple involves living in an intimate union and daily contact with Jesus Christ. It's a relationship. Dallas Willard, 
you've heard of him, he's passed on, gone on to be with the Lord, but he says, <laughs> discipleship is the relationship that I stand in with Christ in order that I might take on his character. I'll finish that quote in just a moment, but here's, here's the challenge that I have. I don't think anybody else in here has this challenge. I know I have this challenge. I, I always am wondering, God, what have you made me to be? Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to be, Lord? And the answer is always the same. I just want it to be different. I want it to be where it fits what I think me should be. I want it to be what I want me to be. Am I making any sense? I'm going to get to the line here in a minute. Here's what he's called you to, to be like Jesus, to imitate Christ. Heard this phrase this last week. It's quite, quite an indictment on the church. Churches have a lot more imposters than they do imitators. He wants us to be an imitator of Christ, taking on the character of Christ. Dallas Whittle goes on to say, I am learning from him how to live my life in the kingdom as if he were I. The natural outcome is that my behavior is transformed increasingly, and I routinely and easily do the things he said I did. In other words, we can truly follow Christ without desiring to become like the world. In other words, instead of feeling like we're always in a battle, transformation could begin to take place in your life where you can really see yourself being transformed. Your, your, your friends, your husband, your wife, your, your neighbors, they can see. Somebody will say something like this, there's something different about you. Something, you know, you, you used to really, you had a short fuse, now you just have a long fuse. It takes a long time for you to explode. I, I've noticed that you still explode, but it takes about three days, right? He's still working on me. Somebody say amen. <laughs> I know I talk way too much about my, my wife and I in our personal life sometimes, but it, it's just so, because we want it to hit home. And yesterday we just had one of those days, nothing we really planned in the morning worked out, so we ended up taking a little trip and helping my mother-in-law with some things. And we worked on some things and fixed some things, and we came home, and I unloaded the dishwasher. And Diane's like, you've been good all day. <laughs> and I said, well, can I get the, can that count? Are there rollover minutes involved in that? Can some of that, can we spread that out during the week? You know? So it's, it's a good thing when you can start being good for a whole day at a time. Right? That's transformation. So what I'm getting at today is discipleship is a process. And I know for some reason people don't like that word process. It's like you want it one and done. Listen, when you get saved, you're saved. But you don't stop there. He's doing a work in your life. And I'm just setting this up. When we're saved, God is doing a work in our life from that day forward. It's a process. It's action. It's intentionality. And I want to talk about, typically, if we talk about discipleship, we take one of the dynamics of discipleship, one of the principles or, or one of the characteristics of discipleship, and we really drive that home. And then we make people feel totally inadequate about what we're asking them to do. So, so for instance, prayer. I could preach on prayer today as an aspect of discipleship, and a disciple will pray, amen? A disciple should pray, amen? Amen. 
<coughs> Excuse me. But, but how many messages have you heard on prayer, but then you don't pray? We hear, we hear great messages on prayer. We hear teachings on prayer. We go to small groups on prayer. But, but here, here's the, the truth about this for me. If I don't understand what discipleship is, prayer is work. Reading the Bible becomes work. I'm going to say something really controversial here. You ready? This is one reason why I, I'm not really high on Christian education. Because if we're not careful, this becomes a textbook, not the living word. And in high school, students have to research this, not live it. And by the time they get in college, they can quote it, but not live it. And then we have churches full of people who know it, but don't know him. And so we're, we're attempting to make sure that discipleship is just not activity, but there's a purpose behind it. I'm praying that after today, you will not be able to wait to pray. I'm praying that after today, you will not wait, you won't be able to wait to get into the Word of God when you understand what discipleship can be. Now, I want to use a very um, unfamiliar text to this dynamic of discipleship. Genesis chapter 8. I'm going to talk about Noah for a few minutes this morning. Most of us here know the story of Noah, the ark. (laughs) <laughs> but I want us to look at a principle here that, that he practiced, a very small detail in this powerful story. And I just want to read this passage and set this up for a few minutes. Genesis chapter 8, starting at verse 6. So it came to pass at the end of 40 days that Noah opened the window of the ark which he had made. Then he sent out a raven which kept going to and fro until the waters had dried up from the earth. He also sent out from himself a dove to see if the waters had receded from the face of the ground. But the dove found no resting place for the sole of her foot, so she returned to the ark to him, for the waters were on the face of the whole earth. So he put out his hand and took her and drew her into the ark to himself. And he waited yet another seven days, and again he sent the dove out from the ark. Then the dove came to him in the evening, and behold, a freshly plucked olive leaf was in her mouth. And no one knew that the waters had receded from the earth. <coughs> Excuse me. I don't know if you've ever heard of the, of the term or the phrase type and shadow. But the Old Testament is a powerful type and shadow of what is promised through Jesus Christ and what he will do and what the church will look like in the New Testament. A lot of people, and Dr. Bucci and I were talking about this this last week, a lot of people have somewhat of an idea that we don't need the Old Testament anymore, that we are New Testament believers, and that it's all about what Jesus Christ has done, and we live in a new covenant. Well, absolutely we live in a new covenant. There's no doubt about that. But he did not come to do away with the law, but to fulfill the law. And the Old Testament is a powerful book that when we read it, we learn so much about why and how Jesus was going to do. Jesus and the, the disciples quote more Old Testament than we can believe. So the Old Testament is vital. So when we look at Noah today, I just want, us to show, I want to show you very quickly how the whole dynamic of the ark and what was going on in this passage plays out powerfully, even in the New Testament. You know, for instance, and I'm just going to bore you with some history here for a second. It says uh, a little bit earlier in chapter 8, 
on the 17th day of the seventh month, the ark rested on Mount Ararat. And when you understand that the 17th day or that seventh month, if you fast forward to Exodus, it's that seventh month that God speaks to Moses and Aaron and says, you know what, it's the seventh month, but today is the first day of the rest of your life. It's the seventh month everywhere else, but starting today, this is your first month, and the Hebrew calendar is birth. This is your first month. And then on the 17th day of, of that first month, they celebrated the first Passover in Exodus. And that represented, obviously, Jesus Christ coming as the sacrificial lamb. And that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. But then we know that when Jesus Christ died for our sins and was buried, what happened on the third day? He rose from the grave, right? So what this is representing, if you just look at the story from a, a sheer type and shadow, the ark represents Jesus Christ, our salvation. The ark represents, it even talks about how many rooms it has, and Jesus even says, I'm going to prepare a place for you, and where I go, we'll have many rooms. The ark was the only way that you could survive that great flood. It had one door. Jesus says, I am the door. The ark is what God sent Noah that saved him and his family. Jesus is who God sent us that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now I say this, that this, this type and shadow is played out through the Old Testament but powerfully here in the story of Noah. Noah and his family have been in this ark. Many theologians will say 377 days. Now that number will... Um, jump around a little bit depending on who you talk to, but listen, I don't care if it's 377 days. Aaron, how long were you deployed? 206 days. If you're on a, if you're on a ship for 206 days, or the ark for 377 days, or in your house with your kids by yourself for four weeks, that's a long cruise. That's a, that's a, that's not, that's a nightmare cruise is what that is. I even read this passage when Noah, the Bible says, and Noah opened the window of the ark that he had made. I'm telling you, I, I, when I read that, I can even picture in my mind Noah. Uh, have you ever been in a situation where you're looking around for a way to get out and there's not one, so you're trying to figure out a way where you're going to create one? I can almost see Noah getting to the point after 376 days. He's just looking around. There's not a window, but where do you want one, Lord? because I'm getting ready to make one. The Bible says he opened the window, and he let out this dove, let out a raven and a dove. Now, the raven, in this passage, he says it goes just to and fro. He's just going everywhere. As a matter of fact, it never tells us that the raven comes back to the boat. It's just going everywhere. Raven, um, in Jewish culture, and certainly in um, the Old Testament, was uh, not a... It was a filthy animal, not an animal worth the sacrifice. When we talk about the raven, it's easy for us to consider it talking about the flesh. Your flesh just sort of wanders to and fro, going wherever it wants, never really on a mission, just doing everything it wants to do. We'll just call that the ravens. If you're a ravens fan, get over it. I don't think there's a season this year anyway. It doesn't really matter.
<laughs> but then he sits out the dove. And now what does a dove represent throughout the New Testament? The Holy Spirit. He sends out this dove. And here's the point I want you to get for a few minutes, and here's what we're going to talk about. He sends out this dove, and that first time the dove comes back. And if you will, the dove's just looking for a place to, to rest. And the Bible says that Noah had to reach out his arm, and he took the dove, and he brought it into himself. I want to ask you a question. If, if we look at this from the perspective of Noah looking for direction in life, there's a couple of ways you can look at it. We're going to depend on whatever the flesh leads us to do, or we're going to be open to what the Holy Spirit wants us to do. We're going to look ways to go to and fro and do it our way, or we're going to, we're going to look for the moving of God and the Holy Spirit but now what happens when the dove comes back? Noah has to create space. Now, here's one thing I don't want you to do, and even those that might be watching this morning. I don't want you to think that I'm misrepresenting the theology of the Holy Spirit by saying that he is looking for someone to rest on. What I am suggesting is, will you create a place for him to abide? What is discipleship? Discipleship is a daily, intentional endeavor to create space. Discipleship is deciding that every day, somehow, some way, I'm going to create space. Discipleship, and that's really the first point, you must be very intentional about creating space to grow. Because discipleship is moving forward in God. If you're saved today and you don't feel like you're moving forward, I just want to suggest you're not making space. And it's going to be a little tough for just a minute. If you feel like you're down, and, and this does not mean that if you're really filled with the Holy Spirit, there's not going to be tough days. There's going to be suffering. There's going to be trials. There's going to be difficulties. There's going to be powerful moments in your life where you'll have questions. But I promise you, when you make space, when you are intentional about making space in your life for God, he shows up. So how are ways we make space? Well, now think about it in this term. If I think about prayer as something I have to do, now I get up in the morning. I know you're not like this, but I get up in the morning <laughs> Excuse me. I get up in the morning and I'm like, okay, I know I'm supposed to pray because that's the spiritual thing to do, right? I heard the pastor say that. I've got to pray. And right off the bat, we've got it wrong. Because now we have to do something and we're just looking for a place to do our time. And, and if you're like me, if you're not careful... When I get up sometimes early in the morning and I get on my knees, Lord, thank you so much for it. And by the way, Lord, I'm fighting sleep the whole time. Why? Because I've defined the discipleship as work. I'm going to force myself to do this. Now, please don't get me wrong. It will be work, 
But when you know why you're doing something, you know why you're working. When you understand the dynamics that are at play, when you understand that when you pray, what you're really doing is making space for God. When you spend any time praying, and it might be when you're walking, it might be when you're in your car, but wherever you are, be intentional. God, I want to just take these next few minutes before I go into this meeting and give you space. I was going into a meeting yesterday morning, and and the gentleman I was going into a meeting with, he just sort of stopped at the door and (sighs) took a big breath. I said, what are you doing? He said, I'm getting my composure. I knew why we were going in the meeting, and I was already praying for him not to lose his top. So he, you know what we ought to do every morning? Get our spiritual composure. Make space. Create space. You have to be into, am I making sense? Noah, Noah was very, he, he didn't say, well, if it's God's will, he'll land on my shoulder. You know? God is sovereign. If he, you know, after all, I attend church, so that, that should count for something. And, and if, you know, if God wants to, he'll bless me. No, God, God is not moved by your need. He is moved by your faith. You, you may have a lot of challenges in your life, but what God is moved by is your intentionality on creating space because when you create space, now you're expecting something. When you pray, you're expecting something. Can, can, I, can I turn this around a little bit and talk about even when we gather corporately? See, when we gather corporately, I said it a moment ago, we don't just sing two or three songs so we can take up the first 15 or 20 minutes of church because, after all, that's how we've always done it. No, we, we sing songs because it's a powerful way to use music and words to remind you of who he is and what he's done and how, can we, how we respond to that. But the beautiful thing is that if you do it the right way, think about it. It's just you and God. Sometimes we get caught up listening to the person next to us, and then we say, well, I'm not going to sing because I can't sing that pretty. Or, oh, my God, where's my phone? I'm recording this. You know, well, I'm, I'm going to play this back to them after church, see what they think. No, see, here, here's, that's why the Bible says make a joyful noise. Why? Because sometimes when you sing, it might be noise. It doesn't have to be pretty. It's worship. When you sing, think about this, the next time we sing a song, we're creating space. We're creating 15, 20 minutes of space for God to come down and touch us and move in a way that we've not experienced all week. Because when we're together corporately, there's just something special about that. Now, I'm not going to go through all the dynamics of of the disciplines, but I'll just tell you this. You'll start looking at every one of them differently when you realize that what you're doing is not just kneeling down and praying, you're creating space. What you're doing is not just studying, and it becomes a textbook. And and that's what, listen, true confessions of most pastors or ministry leaders If you're not careful, your devotional life turns into a study guide. And the only reason you're studying is to get ready for the next message. The only reason you're even worshiping is just to get ready for the next song. The only reason you pray is because you're in emergency mode. There's no relationship, there's just an emergency. See, rather rather than living a life where you've created space. Now, now what happens as you create space 
it gets, it gets deeper and deeper and deeper. And you find yourself becoming more like him than you were yesterday. Because the more space you create. Let me ask you a question. What have you filled your life with during this pandemic? Have you ever noticed that when you stop one thing, we immediately send out a raven? Because we got to fill it with something. And you'll notice I didn't say dove, because typically when we get any spare time, we already think, wow, this would be a perfect time for me to start this project. And I can tell you, around my house, I've started a lot of projects that I'm just calling raven projects. They're of the devil. <laughs> I get them started, and about halfway through, I'm like, oh, Lord, why did I start this? He says, don't talk to me about it. You started it. I didn't tell you to start that. Now, I say that because as soon as we get time on our hands, instead of, instead of thinking, how can I create more space for God? How can I grow in Him? How can I be stronger in Him? And, and if I'm honest, I want Him to do all the work. But when we study the Word of God and, and start really looking at discipleship, what discipleship is, it's me following Christ. It's not Christ dragging me along. It's me, it's me staying so close to him that I'm always creating the space for him to move in my life. It's intentional. And I love when we look at this and using Noah as this example, we can easily see <clears throat> that whether it's prayer, reading the Bible, attendance, even giving, I love this example. Listen, I'm not trying to pressure you for your money, but listen. When something's empty, that's when God can fill it. Think about your finances, 100%. You give 10, now you have 90, there's a space. There's a space. See, even when you tithe, you're creating space. It's worship. Even when you give, you're creating space. And when you give and you're creating space, it's with expectancy. Because when you give space for prayer, it's with expectancy. God doesn't, again, operate on your need. Well, God knows I need a million dollars. He doesn't care about that. He can cover that. It's do you have faith? What's your expectation? Am I making sense? I need more amens when I'm making sense. Or at least a few more clicks. All right, we can look at those later. So now, we must be intentional. But what's the second thing? God is a filler, not a forcer. God fills, but he does not force. God's never going to come down and make you pray. God's never come down and drag you along, as I said a moment ago. When we look at what the Holy Spirit does throughout the Word of God, he's filling. He's resting. That's why I love when Jesus tells the disciples in Acts chapter 1, I want you to go to Jerusalem, and I want you to wait until you've received the power. After that, the Holy Ghost will come upon you, and you will receive power to be my witnesses. Now, what does that word wait mean? In the Greek, that word wait means wait. I knew it would be deep. But when you're waiting on something, there's an expectancy. When you wait to see your doctor, you're expecting to see your doctor. You're just having to wait. If your wife says, I'll be in the car in just a minute, you sit there and you wait. 
and wait, but you are expecting, right? Um, here, here's the point. When he says, I want you to go to Jerusalem and wait, here's what he's saying. I want you to go to Jerusalem, and, and it might take a few days, it may take a few weeks, but be expecting. It's going to happen. I love the, chap- the verse in, chapter, in Isaiah chapter 40. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. Teach me, Lord, to wait. Can I just paraphrase that? They that expect from the Lord. Those that create space. What is discipleship? The discipleship is us getting up every day saying, how am I going to create space in my life for God to move in powerful ways? How am I going to create space in my life, whether it's prayer, whether it's reading the Bible? And see, don't, don't do like a lot of people. This is not a New Year's challenge. If, if, this, was, if this was the end of, of 2020, we would all be sitting here saying, all right, I'm going to pray every day. I'm going to, well, now we're making our checklist, and it becomes work. I would encourage you instead, starting today, just saying, and we're going to have this conversation later, God, I'm just, by faith, making space for you in prayer. I'm going to try to read the Bible some, but God, I'm just, I'm I'm expecting. I'm I'm just trying to do whatever I can. I'm going to take a walk and just pray. I'm going to turn this program off for 15 minutes and just pray. Because see, he'll start showing you. that. That's when he starts speaking to you. That's when he starts showing up. Why? Because however you're walking in that, that discipline, God shows up. If you've ever fasted before, is it easy? No, but you're making space in your stomach and in your spirit for God to show up, and he will. Solitude. Uh, you know, some people, what's the deal with solitude? Well, have you been in the pandemic recently? And you're told to stay home. You're told to be by yourself, whether it's locking yourself away or having to live in isolation and, you know, 14 days of whatever. And all of us have been through different aspects. I'm not the kind of person who does isolation well. I do it like 10 minutes at a time, right? But here's what I found when I practice the discipline of isolation. What I'm really doing is saying, God, I'm not just trying to go through the motions by myself. I'm creating space without distractions. I don't want to be distracted when you speak. So I have to get away from things. I have to get away from stuff. And not why? Because God's a filler, not a forcer. God fills. He moves by our obedience. It's what we expect that he responds to. And he says in verse 10, the second time, he only let out the dove. Now, again, just very quickly, and I'm going to close here in just a moment. The raven never showed back up. That's how much you can depend on the flesh. And I don't know why it is. It's, it's like when I, when I see a lot of us uh, as individuals and even us as the body of Christ sometimes, we, we lean on the Spirit right until we get our legs back. And when we get a little bit of confidence in ourselves, we send out another raven. 
because we're, we just, well, let's try it this way this time. I find it interesting that Noah wasn't out the window looking around, well, the dove, I'll let him go, but let me see if I can find another place by myself here. That's called raven. In the flesh, you know, we, we even get a mindset sometimes that we, we say, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to just, I know it's always failed me. It's always got me in trouble. Whenever I've made that decision, it gets me in trouble every time, but this time will be different. I'm praying for a miracle. I want my raven to be a dove. That's not how it works, is it? And, and I don't know why we, we want to trust a dove but have a couple of ravens hanging on. I think it's very important that we understand the raven was never in the picture. Why? Because the flesh is of the flesh, but the things of the spirit are of the spirit. You've got to walk either way. You can't go both. You've got to walk following and listen to the voice of the spirit. That's why I have to crucify this flesh every day. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to beat anyone down or beat anyone up, but can I just tell you I have to live what I preach? <laughs> so I know what it is to get up every day. Lord, I'm ready to die, but make it gentle today. I, I, I die, but Lord, if today can be a little less painful than yesterday. And you know what I realized? That ravens are tough. The flesh wants to hold on. That's why it's so painful for us to die sometimes, because the flesh wants to hold on so much, when in reality what I'm saying is we want to hold on so much. We want to follow the Spirit and drag a raven, and it doesn't work. That's why sometimes making space, that's why I lifted my hands. When Noah reached out to give space to that dove, he wasn't holding anything in his hand. Sometimes I think when we reach out and give God space, it's with empty hands, meaning we might have to let some stuff go. Now, let me just hurry on here, because when you're creating space, the third point, when you're creating space, Jesus is revealed. Now, what do I mean by that? When that dove came back the second time, it brought back an olive leaf. Now, an olive leaf and an olive branch always represents peace. Peace. Who is Jesus? The Prince of Peace. Well, when, you when you create space, can I just, I'm just going to give you a heads up here. Whatever your need is, when you create space, whether it's in the Word, whether it's in prayer, whether it's in fasting, whether it's in study, what it, however you do it, when you create space, it will always point you to Jesus. It will always point you to Jesus. It will never point you to Buddha. It will never point you to a raven god. Something that you've lifted up and decided is what you're going to chase. No, it will always point you to Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is always the answer. See, when you need to be saved, he's your savior. When you need to be healed, he's your healer. When you need to be set free, he's your deliverer. When you need to be discipled, he's the one you follow. When you need to be equipped, he is the equipper. When you, when you need to be empowered through the Holy Spirit, he is the empower. Can, can I just tell you that whether it's wisdom, healing, deliverance, when we make space in our lives, it will always point us to Jesus. Now, now how does this help us move to the next level in our life of discipleship? 
you need to ask yourself a couple of questions, and we're going to have some discussion on this in just a few moments. But, but in what ways do you create space for God right now? In what ways do you create space in your life for God right now? Now, can I, can I pick on you a little bit? Because we're good, we're good at rationalizing, too. But if my only space time is my drive time, um, he doesn't really have your attention. I, I am not saying that you shouldn't pray while you're driving. Pray. But usually when people are praying while they're driving, everybody else around them is praying, too. Because they're all over the road. They're not paying attention. Well, the Holy Spirit just moved on me, and I just lost control of the car. Not an excuse. Now, here, here's my, here's my uh, uh, question again. In what ways am I intentionally creating space? Because when you get intentional about it, it we, we don't work at it anymore because now it's not work. Now we're, we are intentionally expecting something. I'm expecting God to show up. That's why I pray. Uh, Diane and I watched a, a movie the other night. Tom Hanks, he makes a lot of great movies. But he made this movie called Greyhound. A story about the naval uh, ships that fought in the Atlantic. We never really see any movies about that. And I'm not pushing the movie as much as the main, the main uh, actor in this movie, Tom Hanks. He was the captain of this vessel, the Greyhound. And they started the movie with this man praying. The movie starts with him on his knees praying. He gets up. He goes to the, the chow hall, whatever it's called on the ship. And he goes and, and the man brings him his breakfast and everybody in the entire room just stops because they know the captain is getting ready to bless his food. He blessed his food. Then everybody got back to eating. Several times it showed him taking off to pray. They'd blow up a few submarines, almost get blown up themselves, and he'd, he'd go pray. Of course, in that kind of scenario, you probably learn how to pray too. But this was a lifestyle of prayer that this man had lived his entire life. Can I ask you a question? What kind of influence do you have around the people that you work? What kind of influence do you have around the people that you live with? Is it the kind of influence that when they see you making space, they take you seriously because you really are a believer? Or when they see you taking space, they just see you going through the motions? Now, I'm, I'm challenging you with that because I promise you can do it with expectation and God shows up, or you can do it as work and you'll do it for two days. I want to challenge you to be a disciple. This may turn into its own little series. Because now prayer takes on a whole different tune. Because now when Jesus says, ask, and it shall be given unto you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened. And, and some people think, wow, you, you mean I can ask anything from God? Yeah. When you've created space, and he's living in your life, and his presence is around you and surrounding you and filling you on a regular basis, yeah, because you're probably going to ask for normal things. 
You're probably going to ask for things that he's moving your heart toward. You're, so when, when you start asking, now if you, if you think that you can just jump up, God, I need a Cadillac in the name of Jesus. I'm going to paint a raven on the side of it. Because that's what it'll be. All right? Now, uh, am, are you with me? Did I lose anybody yet? We're almost finished. Ingrid, if you'll please come, so I'll finish. What am I saying? It really is all about Jesus and following Jesus. Here's what I've been convicted of the last few, few months, actually. It started back in the beginning of the pandemic because um, as we were moving into this, no one really knew it would be this length. So I was thinking, you know, okay, let's just do a series on where do you see yourselves on the other side of this? What can life look like in 40 days? So let's build some spiritual muscle. Here's what I found out. Nobody was interested. Nobody, I mean, and maybe it was just panic. Maybe it was just not sure of the future, so why start something when we're not sure where we're going yet? I, I get it. So as I sat back in a little bit of frustration, what the Lord was showing John McLeod was, you can't lead them where you've stopped going. You can't lead them deeper. When you've not been deeper in a while. John, if you're coasting, you can talk about deep. You see, you, you can go to a class and talk about deep. You can go take swimming lessons, but if you never go back to the pool, stop calling yourself a swimmer. You can take driving lessons, but if you don't ever get in a car and drive, you're not driving. Am I making sense? You can get saved. And if you're careful, you're not following Jesus at all. So I said, okay, Lord, what does this mean for me? And quite honestly, that's how a lot of this has been birthed. Because, John, I, I want to do more than save you. I want to transform you. I want to do a lot more than save you. I want to heal you. I just don't want to save you. I want to set you free. The stuff that holds you back, the stuff that holds you down, that it might have been something as silly as three years ago or, or 25 years ago. And, and you've learned to hide things well. We all do, don't we? <laughs> We're good. We're good. But, but God is saying, man, I want to heal you. I want to set you free. I want you to follow me closer than you've ever been. You know, sometimes we say we miss Jesus. No, he misses us. I want you to follow me like you've never followed me before. I, I want to equip you. you see, I, I, I believe for a lot of people, they've already checked 2020 off as a, a lost year. No, you mark this down. This will be the strongest year of your life. This will be the strongest year of your life. Because you're going to have to come to grips with some things. And I believe God's going to equip you in ways you never thought you were able to be equipped. God might be taking you through some rough spells. God might be taking you through some, some very difficult times. But I believe it's so he can equip you. So you will follow him closer than you've ever followed him. Empower you like you've never been empowered. 
See, empowerment isn't just so you can shout real good on Sunday. Empowerment means the body of Christ, as God has gifted us, turns cities upside down with the power of Jesus Christ. Lives are healed. Families are restored. Uh, Children. Listen, moms and dads are getting ready to walk through a, a season in their life that they've never walked through before. Their children being schooled from home. I didn't think this was a big deal. Am I rambling yet? I didn't think this was a big deal till last week. I mean, I've, I've always been thinking, Lord, do we need to start another grade at the daycare or do we need to have something here to have children come and a place that parents can trust and be educated? But I was talking to a gentleman just a few days ago and his wife works in the Virginia Beach school system. And he said, Pastor, here's, here's the greatest challenge. Most people think that the kids are just going to stay home and mom and dad will help out a little bit or somebody will drop by. He said, but, but nobody knows how many children. He said, and I'm telling you, there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them in every system. How many children get up in the morning and they can't wait to get to school because they can't wait to get out of that home? It's horrific. School is their sanctuary. School is their hope. So when we close those doors, he said, those kids just sort of disappear. Can I tell you that, that our neighborhoods need Jesus? They really do. And no, even no matter where anyone's watching from, we all need Jesus. Am I going to create space? Yeah. I want us to pray in just a moment, but before we do, um, as we stand, to our online church, we love you. God bless you. Please, there's some questions on the screen and on our website. Go there. Discuss some of the things we've been talking about this morning. Text us, email us, let us know how we can pray with you. God bless you.